Welcome to Solutions from the Huddle, powered by Collaborative Solutions Group. We're discussing meaningful business and life topics to add motivation to your life and value to your efforts. Our show is hosted by certified professional CSG coaches who are often hired for private coaching, corporate training, and speaking engagements. Now, enjoy the show. This is Solutions from the Huddle. I am your host, Titus Bartolotta. This program is brought to you by and powered by Collaborative Solutions Group. I am so excited to each and every one of you uh, for for you choosing to tune in. Thanks so much for listening to this episode. Uh, To all the regular folks that keep coming back, I'm so excited that you keep sharing, you keep listening, you keep learning, and that you are all about personal development and professional growth. Uh, for those of you that uh, have never listened to the show and somebody said, oh my gosh, you've got to check it out, you are in for a treat because normally we have really good people, but today we have someone that's really great. Uh, our, our new best friend of the, sh- uh, of the show is going to be uh, just fantastic, and she's going to bring some excellent information and really add value to your life personally and professionally. Um, Before we introduce her, we start every show the same way, and that's just with a quick prayer. So we'll do it this time as well. So Lord, we ask that you bless the show, uh, the guests, the the listeners, just every aspect of the program. Let the words of our mouth and the meditation of our heart be acceptable in your sight. Amen. All right, friends, we have uh, Catherine Burmeister on the program and check this out. She didn't anticipate starting a business, uh, but after a number of tumultuous events, like like some turbulent winds and waves, uh, Catherine started her own law firm back in October of 2018. Uh, she focused on things like personal injury and giving a voice to those that have been hurt because of someone else, right? These are folks that maybe wouldn't have had a voice had it not been for Catherine. Uh, in 2020, she wrote her first book and it's called Overcoming Addiction to the Status Quo. Uh, that book has fueled her to keep writing and also be a speaker in addition to kick and butt at law. That's a technical term, I think. But Catherine, thank you so much for being our guest today. Thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate the opportunity. Yeah, this is going to be so good. I love to bring brilliant people on the program and talk about brilliant things. So I know some of the the things you really add value to are things like work-life balance. um, And and I really want to get into how do we kick the addiction? Because I agree with you to the status quo. I think folks are uh, addicted to just wash, rinse, and repeating like the mediocrity of yesterday. So I, I'm so interested in what you're going to talk about today. But before you jump into it, I like to always ask, like, what's the journey? Tell us a little bit about you, because I'm sure there's at least four people that don't know who you are. They've been living under a rock, right? They're not already in the fan club. How, how did the journey take you from where you started to, to the, the interview today? Like, tell us about you. Sure. So I, from a very early age, um, decided that I wanted to be a lawyer. Nobody in my family was. I just was an overachiever and an avid reader. And so around middle school, I guess, was when we started or we read Letter from a Birmingham Jail, um, which is MLK, and then um, To Kill a Mockingbird. So obviously, MLK is not a lawyer, but the idea of just and unjust laws is really talked about there. Um, and then to kill a mockingbird, obviously, he's a lawyer advocating for somebody that he's been uh, wrongly accused of a crime. So just the idea of being able to advocate for just and unjust laws uh, as a lawyer really resonated with me. So I decided where I wanted to go. I was obviously old for my age, even in middle school, and kind of backtracked and set myself on that path. So really set myself up early. 
I've always been um, passionate about helping others. And so that really uh, lent itself to being able to fulfill that um, part of my life. But one of the challenges I've had from an early age too is that I've had depression and anxiety. So that's made things a little more challenging to say the least. But thankfully, I've been in a family that's been very supportive um, and it's hereditary too in my family. So I've been exposed to people that are very loving about it um, and caring. So to be able to have that support from an early age has made me more in tune with who I am mm. and you know, really tap into what I need and what I need to do to make myself better and feel better. So thankfully, that stage was already set. So went to law school, got out, um, actually didn't pass the bar the first time. I missed by two points. Didn't mm. pass the bar the second time. I missed by one point. Oh. Turns out I have some testing anxiety. Yeah. So, and learn, you know, when your entire career that you've wanted to do since middle school is hinging on one test, I mean, that's huge to say the least. So finally I passed um, and I ended up getting my dream job at a firm where the partner, the founding partner had been practicing for 30 some odd years, a couple associates close to my age. And we really learned by actually doing, which is unusual these days in most law firms. Most people are kept, you know, in back back offices, just pushing paper. So having that opportunity was really important. And it just taught me a lot in a short amount of time. So about a year and a half after I started there, I get a text message at two in the morning, which is never usually a good thing, right? In any mm, scenario. That's right. <laughs> um, and the senior associate said, hey, all the attorneys need to be in before staff. And in my mind, because I'm such an overachiever and so critical of myself, I thought I did something wrong. I mean, I literally had no basis for that. But that's what I thought. So we get there and very obviously something was wrong in case I didn't know it from the early morning text. And, but our partner wasn't there. And the senior associate, he just looked devastated and come to find out that our founding partner had committed suicide. He had left notes uh, detailing why. And it ultimately was because he had stolen money from clients for eight years. Oh my gosh. So aside from the obvious shock of um, our partner committing suicide, there was that addition of him stealing. And he was somebody who would give you the shirt off of his back. And he taught us the right way to practice law. So it was very, very hard to reconcile who we thought we knew with somebody who was actually doing these things in the background. So needless to say, everything just went sideways uh, you know, immediately. Um, we tried to keep the firm going, but it turned out that he had lied about the overhead to our senior associate. Um, so we had to downsize and let people go. So I told the senior associate, my now partner, that I would help you know, continue this and try to keep things going. So myself, him, and one paralegal continued the firm. And what it ended up being was me basically running 70 cases. And for people who are not familiar with uh, uh, the law... First of all, 70 cases is a lot, especially in personal injury when over half of them are in litigation. So it's just a lot of work, a lot of deadlines, a lot of paper. Um, it's not something that you can really just, you know, get it going and leave it for a while and come back. You really have to mm. be on it the entire time. So my partner basically had checked out mentally and physically, my new partner. He uh, was obviously very impacted by what had happened, but that's the point. We were all very impacted by what happened. 
So um, it was tough for an entire year. I was just operating on adrenaline and thankfully my paralegal was there to help me. But after a certain point, I mean, it was pretty much inevitable, right? Looking back on it, that something was going to happen because I couldn't keep going the way I was. Um, but I ended up being halfway around the world, finally took a vacation after all this. And I get a call from my paralegal and I said, you know, great. Nice to talk to you. Why are you calling me halfway around the world? <laughs> And she said, I can't get a hold of our partner. And it was a, something that if we didn't fix, we would commit malpractice. Like, so she needed permission immediately. Of course, yes, do it. So I get back in the country and my partner is on a silent retreat in middle Georgia. Just peaced out, um, you know, left my paralegal to handle things. And I mean, I, he knew I was coming back, but still, like he knew about this deadline that came up that she called me about. Knew that he needed to be there to run things. Um, and finally that day, everything just came to a head for me. I literally could not process another single thought. All I knew was that I needed to get home. Um, I think that was just my safe space type deal, like you know, going into survival mm. mode. And I started having suicidal ideations. So mm. I identified it. You know, I knew what it was. Um, and I called my husband, he was able to meet me at home and be there for me. And then almost overnight, things literally just did a 180 for me. Um, looking back, I, I realized now what actually happened. I finally had proven to myself that I was enough. And up until that point, I hadn't really believed it. Um, no matter what I'd done or how much I'd achieved, I just never truly believed that. And so after everything kind of came crushing you know, down or crashing down for me, uh, that's what it took for me to really believe it. So thankfully, I was able to identify those, those challenges and the suicide ideations um, and move past that. But that's what started me on the path of having my own business that I never wanted or intended to have. I never wanted to be a business owner. Uh, and then also led me to now being open to shifting you know, away from traditional practice of law to helping other lawyers overcome their addiction to the status quo. Because that's really what happened was I finally had proven to myself that I was enough, but I was able to do that because I'd overcome my addiction to the status quo. And I want to be clear with your listeners too. When I say addiction, I don't mean it flippantly. I genuinely believe that this is something that we are as a society addicted to. So much so, which is like the epitome of addiction that will do horrible things to ourselves and others to keep up you know, with this idea that we should be a certain way or should feel a certain way about things. Um, and in some instances, it's not, it's not competition for who has the worst addiction. That's not what I'm saying, but it can be more challenging because it's not um, identified, right? People don't like consciously say, oh, that's like an alcoholic or, you know, a drug addict. It's just a little more existential and we all subscribe to it, right? So that's part of the problem is we're all doing it. So we don't think there's a problem. So it can be really challenging um, to identify it and then let alone step back and say, I'm going to change things uh, for the better. Because even if things are not great, they're still comfortable in many respects. Mm. So I think that's why people continue doing things because it's what's comfortable. Man, you know, first of all, thank you for being so vulnerable and honest and open and transparent. Um, I, I mean, I couldn't agree more with the importance for humanity to to do what you just did. I mean, to say, to say, um, here's what I've got going on and, and here's how heavy and hard it is. And I think that our coping mechanisms are so different. You know, I, 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 I happen to be a, a father of two young kids, but they're, they're relatively 
the same age. They're, they're about a year apart, a little more than a year apart. And, and to watch how different they are in the way that they deal with and cope. Um, and then this is true about like employees, right? You watch mm-hmm. people that have a lot of similarities, but then you go, wow, the way they cope and deal and manage and, and whole things. And we find ways to cope through religion. We find ways to cope through society and social circles. But the truth of the matter is, is um, in all of these things, very rarely do we ever find comfort in being honest and just being like, man, I'm hurting and this is yeah. heavy. Right. And so for you to do that, it's just so brilliant and beautiful. And so thank you for that. We, my follow-up question would be, um, how important was it for you to have the support system in place? You referenced your husband. Um, it, it sounded as though there was this paralegal that was, uh, that was the peanut butter to the jelly sandwich. Like yeah, you, you, yeah. Had ele- you had elements with an S, right? And so I'm sure there's someone listening right now that feels, maybe it's true. Maybe there's folks that don't, don't have a support system, or maybe they just feel like they don't have a support system, but you had elements with an S, right? It wasn't solo. How important was that for you um, to, to have that in those moments? It's crucial. Uh, um, you can get really far on your own, but at the end of the day, um, you can't do it alone. You really can't. And you can't reach your true potential without the support of other people. And so my husband being with me, so we've been married, gosh, let's see, seven years, this uh, past October together for 19. So we obviously know each other really well. Um, and he never dealt with mental health, really. Like his family didn't talk about it. Um, it just wasn't as much of an issue. So he really had to learn and adapt to me. And he was thankfully willing to go down that path. Because that's what's so hard sometimes when you don't experience the same thing. How do you help someone that you don't know how to help? Um, so having somebody there in that respect was crucial. Having my paralegal to just help me with the day-to-day things, I would have definitely hit my rock bottom a lot earlier if it hadn't been for her. Um, and we both cared so much about the clients, even though we hadn't done things, the ones that got hurt. Um, we just wanted to make the best out of such a horrible situation. And then even now I create what I call my dream team around myself. I find people that whether it's professional, personal, to highlight and um, amplify different parts of my life. So especially if I know that's not my strong suit and it's not something that I have a passion for doing. I mean, something as simple as my bookkeeper. I had to go through a couple to get to her, but she's the best one I've had. She's amazing, just really cares about what she's doing. And it helps me be a better business owner by having somebody I trust that is willing to work with me in the way that I need her to. Um, you know, having a therapist that I talk to regularly. Sometimes it needs to be more often than other times, but you do not have to have a formal diagnosis to go to therapy. And let me tell you, mm. is the best thing that you can do for yourself. Um, it's like being proactive. You know, if you work out to keep your body in shape, working out your mind basically to keep it healthy is the same concept of talking to a therapist or a counselor. Um, yeah, having the paralegals around me that I that I employ now. I have three paralegals. They're all out of state. Um, so I should say that I've been remote since my inception in 2018. So it was very fortuitous, uh, given that COVID happened not long after. So that's really been great. But those paralegals have been with me since I started. So really keeping the right people around you to make sure that you do well is, is crucial. And when you're not doing well, right, to help you through challenging times or lift you back up or make you a better professional and individual. 
Catherine Burnmeister, she is the the head honcho over there at Burnmeister Law. She's the author of Overcoming Addiction to the Status Quo. That's our guest today right here on Solutions from the Huddle. Um, You know, I'm already starting to hear you kind of shape up um, the talking points of of work-life balance, which is one of the areas that you really lean into. It's one of the areas that you speak on. It's one of the areas that people um, are quiet and want to hear what you have to say. So. I want to go a little deeper into that, right? So I'm already kind of hearing you talk about if you don't get it together, look what could happen. Like if you don't, if you're not monitoring and measuring and paying attention, um, you know, it's possible to to learn and glean things prior to the devastation of an of, of an accident or a crisis. I think uh, I think it's absolutely brilliant uh, when we when we learn from people. I think the difference between um, experience and insight is really like. I get, I get frustrated, Catherine, maybe, I don't know if you're the same way, but like when I hear somebody say, you know, life's taught me, don't do that. And I go, yeah, but inside I'll teach you, just don't do it that way again. Right. right. Like you don't have to like cut off and like all of a sudden that's evil, but, but maybe if you get insight, meaning like you've reflected and you listen to someone like a Catherine, maybe you'll just go, okay, I know the best way to go about it. I'm not going to make that same mistake. doesn't mean I just cut out that from my, my world. So how do we learn from you right now and, and, and then reflect upon your experience and, and go better? Um, what are some tips and tricks that you recommend to folks to really allow us to get greater balance in our life and in our business, especially if we're high achievers like you? Right. Um, yeah. So the, really the root of all this and all the things I talk about is knowing yourself. And that takes a lot of self-reflection. Um, it's uncomfortable. It's not usually fun to go through that process, but it is absolutely paramount to you succeeding at any other part of your life. And when I say success, I don't mean just money. To me, money is not success. Um, money can make things a lot easier. Money can lead to experiences that make you happy, but money in and of itself is not happiness. Um, again, presupposing you're meeting your bare minimum of a house and food and things like that, right? But you really have to know yourself. You have to know what you want out of life. And if you don't know yourself, you're not going to be able to make decisions that are healthy. You're not going to be able to say confidently, I'm setting this boundary in my life. So I do have a work-life balance. If you just say, I think I care about money. I think I care about growing my company the biggest it can possibly grow, but that's not really what you want deep down. You're never going to have a balance. You're never going to be happy, which is part of a life work-life balance, right? Um, and I will say, I think work-life balance is, is impossible insofar as it is not going to be 50-50. It's not going to be 50-50 every day. Um, your balance in life is, is going to be different from everybody else's. Maybe some days you're a better spouse. Maybe some days you're a better parent. Other days you're a better you know, business owner. It's, it's finding what works for you. So it's balancing yourself at the end of the day. And that means having every part of your life, you know, fit to what it needs to be. Some for me, I need more self-reflection time. That's a huge part of who I am, but I also think it's really important. Other people may not need that as much, or more people may need time with their family over working. It's creating your life and your world to help you succeed and excel as a human being, which translates to business. I think the idea that those two things are separate, no matter whether you own your own business or not, 
is, is such a fallacy. You are what makes up a business. You are what makes up your life and your personal life, mm. right? That's so if you don't idea. work on yourself, you're never going to be able to succeed in either area. Man, you know, I think I love when you said, hey, it's not going to be 50-50, right? Like when I talk about this subject and I'm working with clients, I try to tell them and I, and I want to know if maybe I'm crazy because if you tell me I'm wrong, I'm going to quit telling people to do this. But um, <laughs> Like I think about it like a seesaw. So the minute you said it's not, it's not 50-50, I think about like if you just move the falcon, right? If you move like that pivoting point, which I, I think that's our perception, our perspective, like look at it differently. Cause you can take something that's 500 pounds and put it on one side of the seesaw. But if you just move that middle part that, that instead of saying they, they both have to be a 200 bag of of, of potatoes on either side. If you just move the middle, you can put a 500 pound on one side and a 100 pound on the other side. The balance doesn't come from the weight of the stuff that sits on the edges of the, of the seesaw. Right. If you, if you agree with that, then, then that would mean shifting our perspective is important. Um, one, do you, do you think that's a good way to look at it? And two, if that's true, how the hell do we change our focus and our perspective in the middle of like, a Monday, right? Like some people are sitting yeah. here going, okay, but wait a minute. You don't know about my life, right? Okay. But I have this special, unique thing. Like, so if you believe in that, how the hell do we do something about it? So I, I agree uh, conceptually. I like to think of it more as a pie um, because I think of, I have this problem that I constantly have to work on of thinking of things as false dichotomies. Either we're all in or we're all out. Either mm. I was going to continue with my firm or I was going to completely close it instead of looking at a third option, which was pivoting, right? And uh, making it something different. So I like to think about it as a pie and you have different parts of your life that make up all of that. And either, you know, some days, like I said, you have daily pie, you have a weekly pie, you have a, you know, yearly pie. And sometimes things are going to be way more, take a bit bigger percentage than, than other portions on different days, weeks, and years. So I look at it that way. Um, you've got a finite amount of energy, which is what that entire pie is, and how you allocate it is going to be how you spend your life. And it doesn't have to be equal. It doesn't have to be you know every third or every quarter, whatever the case may be. I'm not going to go mm. further than that because I'm not good at math. Um, but that's <laughs> you, you need to have it. Whatever it is, that's fine as long as you are okay with that, um, and and it reflects your values. Which again gets back to you have to know yourself. I know yourself. work with my yeah. I work with my clients, um, my coaching clients, lawyers, and have people set themselves up as like and think of themselves as like a human startup, right? Mm -hmm. So when you have a company, if you do it the right way, with mission, mission, vision, and values, they can be very helpful. So some companies just you know give it lip service and don't actually follow them. But if you do you really can make a lot of decisions easier for yourself and your company. Same thing with a person. If you know what your values are, you know what your mission is in life, and you know what your vision is, you have parameters. So when you start making decisions that are not comfortable because you haven't had to make them before or you haven't made them in a healthy way, with this mission, vision, and values set up for yourself, you have a guiding, you know, a guidepost basically to say, okay, this is within line with what I'm trying to do, or it's not in mm. line with what I'm trying to do. Instead of going back to that knee jerk reaction, which is what you've done for so long. If you, if you rely on what you've done in the past, you're just going to be in the past and you're never going to evolve. But if you shift how you manage your life and how you look at yourself as an individual and a human, you're able to really grow from that in a way that you might mm. not otherwise be able to. How important is it 
you just kind of said having those those value those those kind of tent poles in place um, are, are key for for staying in our values. But how important is it to have those in place and to identify those so that we know when we're lost, right? Like, yeah. like if I'm far away from my house, I'm like, oh, I'm not at home, right? Like sometimes right, just right. knowing what, what home looks like lets me know that I'm not there. How, how important is that? Um, I think it's like a lot of things. You, you learn from the challenging times and the not so great times. Again, my whole point in my book is that you don't have to, to suffer and hit, hit a rock bottom before you take control of your life. So I don't mm. subscribe to the idea that you have to um, you know, fall off the path or go down a ravine to yeah. be able to learn who you are. But it does help you identify, okay, this is not in line with where I'm trying to go. I mean, if you literally think about it as like a hike. You know, you have paths that are sometimes really clear cut and you know, okay, it's easy to follow it. I see where I'm going. Plenty of people have been here before. Great. Sometimes it may be foggy. Sometimes there may not be Mm. the clear cut path and you go off of what your planned route is. Um, And that's okay. That's how you learn more about where you want to be and who you want to be as a human. Um, but really kind of check in and saying, okay, check your compass, right? I mean, it's yeah. carry on the analogy, check, or is this where I want to be? Is this where I think I am? Okay, it's mm. not. Let's, let's pivot or reevaluate where I'm trying to go and make that line up with what I'm actually doing with my life. So I think too often we fall into this idea that we have to be um, a certain way. And we think of success as being the measure of who we are as humans. And unfortunately, or fortunately, I don't know. I don't think that's it. I think, let me, let me back up. I do, but I think success is happiness. If you're truly happy in life, then you're successful. It's not your stereotypical, I've got a business, I've got a lot of money. Um, to me, life and success in life is happiness because at the end of the day, you're never going to be on your deathbed looking back going, wow, I really wish I made more money. You can't take sure. it with you. Um, yeah. you know. And yes, it can do a lot of things, but I know plenty of people that have a lot of money and are not happy. So yeah. really being happy with yourself is going to allow you to enjoy all the other experiences that come about in life as a result of it. Catherine Bernmeister, right here on Solution from the Huddle. We're going to take just a quick break here and say thank you to some of our show partners. And um, and on the other side of this break, I want to know more about the book. I want to know how people can get it. Um, I want to know how we can really kind of take capture of, of some of these maybe hijacked mindset, self-talk stuff that we're going through. Um, and um, and be somebody who's monitoring our life, but maybe not like judging our lives and being this horrible critic uh, right on the other side. Our quick break is real simple. We just want to tell everybody that, um, that if you want to know more about the show partners that we have, the brands that believe in the concept of like growing is good and getting brilliant people like Catherine on the program and having a program that's, that's uh, committed to that is something worth standing next to and investing in. Then just go to team-csg.com team-csg.com and click on the solutions from the huddle tab. Uh, And when you do that, you'll see all the different logos for the brands that we stand next to. And when you click on their logo, it'll take you right to their website and you'll get to learn more about them. And when you learn more about them, you'll know just why I am so comfortable to stand next to them. They're doing good things. Uh, And we hope that you go check them out at team-csg.com. Okay. The only brand I really care about though, 
is the Burnmeister law firm, <laughs> the Burnmeister brand, the Burnmeister herself, Catherine. Um, and her book, Overcoming, um, Overcoming the Addiction to the Status Quo. It's maybe one of my favorite titles. And we have lots of authors on the program. So I get to hear really cool titles. I love your title. Um, Cause I don't know anybody that's like, I wish I could just be more in the status quo. Like right. <laughs> I've never heard anybody, like I've never heard anybody accepting an award. That's like, I just want to give a shout out to the status quo really help me get where I'm at today. So it's such a cool title. Tell us a little bit more about the book, how we can get it some more tips and, and, and things inside the book. And maybe what's like the biggest thing that we're going to, when we're done with the book, the biggest thing that we're going to have that we didn't have going into reading it. That's a lot yeah. to unpack, but I know you can do it. It is. Um, yeah. So I really start at the beginning of my book talking about what I, I call zero-sum professions. So that's not to say that anybody outside of these can't appreciate the book, but I just okay. focus on these to draw such a, a, a stark contrast. So doctors, lawyers, corporate executives, nurses, and even elite athletes are what I categorize as zero-sum professions. Basically, if you're not winning, you're losing. So it's not that other people aren't addicted to the status quo. Absolutely. Plenty of people are. But in these professions, I think it tends to manifest earlier in life and mm. more drastically, right? So you think about like an elite athlete, you start early on training to be something and to be whatever that is, whatever, football player, basketball player, whatever. Um, and you set yourself on that trajectory and it's so intense for so long. And then your value is tied to what you accomplish, Right. And it happens with doctors, it happens with lawyers, and there's differences between them where for me, like lawyers, people don't, typically don't like lawyers, right? And we have to deal with that concept. Everybody likes us when they need us, <laughs> but the other time, yeah. they don't really <laughs> want us. Um, doctors, people typically love doctors, right? Um, but almost sometimes when they mess up, it, it's somehow not worse, uh, really worse, but just people's perception is challenged more, I would say, whereas yeah. people have a not so great idea of lawyers, right? So there's different things we all have to deal with in these professions. And it makes it more challenging to overcome the addiction to the status quo, I think, as a result of it. So I lead off with that. I talk about anxiety, depression, and suicide, um, the numbers within those professions. Um, mm. And they're, they're historically under underreported. Staggering. They are staggering. staggering. They're also underreported, uh, especially yeah. for doctors and lawyers. And you would think doctors would probably be the best ones about that, but they're really not um, because they're so afraid of what can happen if they admit that to themselves and mm. to other people. So from there, I do talk about my experience and how I came to have my own law firm and the tumultuous uh, situation, how I hit my rock bottom. And then afterwards, I really I'm a big proponent of people walking away with um, actionable steps. So I give people tips and steps to take to start on this process of overcoming addiction to the status quo. So that's, that's the layout of the book. Yeah. Um, yeah, I really think it's beneficial to people to hear, hear my story insofar as you can see someone who, you know, on the outside looks successful. And I'm not saying I'm not, but there's a lot of other stuff going on in people's lives. You know, it's not, you're not alone. There are plenty of people out there that feel this way. Yeah. Um, and do have the ability to overcome challenges and adversity. I, I absolutely love it. I would highly encourage folks to, to make the investment in themselves. That's really what they're doing. Um, they're not necessarily making an investment in, in your success or in your uh, checking account by buying your book. Uh, they're really just making an investment in themselves. And, and, yeah. and I would highly encourage folks to do that. Uh, before we land this plane, 
uh, new best friend, Catherine, um, tell tell our audience where they need to go, what, what what they need to click on, what websites they need to go to. So maybe they can continue the conversation. Maybe it's it's a handful of lawyers that are thinking, um, well, I want to know what she's doing. I want to learn from her. I want to maybe be a part of the organization in some capacity, or maybe it's individuals that are saying, I really am. I've really talked about getting square and balancing my life. I've talked about it. I've, I've watched the YouTube videos. Now I've listened to the podcast, but I need to actually do this take action part, right? And maybe this book could be the key for me. Um, help our audience know how they take the next step and stay engaged and connected with you before we land this show. Yeah, Linktree, uh, KF Burmeister is where to find me. And I'm sure you'll have that because it's an unusual spelling. Um, but that links you to my law firm website, my personal brand website, the latest podcast I've been on, buying my book and my social media accounts. So that's the best place to go to find information about what I'm doing and stay in touch. I love to hear from people that have taken away something from what I've said. It really just resonates with me and, and validates, quite honestly, what I'm saying and, and me knowing that I'm not alone as well. Yeah. Well, I know that we've had some individuals similarly that have beaded on uh, or beat on the the drum that you're beating on uh, with just different angles and different stories. But it tells me that when you um, when you hear that same that same rhythm, right, it defies industries, it defies gender, it defies ethnicity, it defies all of these different things. And if it can do that, if it can, if it can weave in and out of all those things, then maybe that's a song we ought to not just sing along to. We ought to probably start dancing to it. Uh, and I'm, I'm certainly dancing over here to it. Catherine, thank you so much for being on the program, man. I hope you'll come back and, and do this again in the future. Yeah, definitely. I really enjoyed it. Thank you so much. Hey guys, Titus Bartolotta here with Collaborative Solutions Group. I just wanted to say thank you for listening to this episode of Solutions from the Huddle. If you want to hear more episodes and continue supporting our show, simply search for and subscribe to Solutions from the Huddle on any major podcast platform. Thank you again, and we hope you'll join us soon.